Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Nicole Bean from Pizarro's Pizza coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by this week's co-host. He is a passionate advocate of the Houston dining scene and a frequent traveler. Matt Harris, welcome back to the show. How are you? Doing well, sir. Thank you. Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, your first your first appearance 2019. It's already February. I know. All right. Well, we have much to discuss, so let's not dilly-dally. Topic number one in the news of the week. Common Bond breaking news. At least three new locations of Common Bond are going to open in the next 12 months. As many as five new locations of Common Bond are opening. They are, there's one in the Heights that in the Waterworks development that's already been announced. That's, we all know that. They have claimed the recently shuttered Eclair Bakery space at the corner of Greenbrier and Holcomb for a medical center Westview type outpost. There's an outpost in Midtown at a location that I am not allowed to disclose, but that is confirmed and is coming. And then there are two letters of intent, one for downtown, the, the Capitol Tower that's uh, coming to the heart of the Central Business District, and a second for City Place at Springwoods Village, which is the mixed-use complex right next to the Exxon World Headquarters. Matt, more common bond in 2019 and 2020 how do you feel more common bond more happy people yeah it's amazing what has happened to common bond since well so george joseph and johnny caraba purchased common bond in 2016 Uh, johnny caraba has since happily divested he's going to focus on opening more mia's tables and george joseph is going to concentrate on opening a lot more common bonds, but you know, I think we forget maybe like what a frenzy common bond was like when it first opened. They were, they closed before dinner. They ran out of stuff all the time. They didn't have enough parking. And in the last three years, all that has been stabilized, right? They're open seven days a week. You can get a croissant after two o'clock and they now have a commissary kitchen and that is what's allowing them to fuel this expansion because they're making plenty of pastries. You can get a common bond birthday cake now, right? In the beginning, that was a no-go. So it, it operates more like a normal bakery, but still at a very high level. Yes. And uh, interestingly, I was going to say ironically, but I'm not sure that would be the appropriate use of the word in this case. Interestingly enough uh we actually go there for dinner quite a bit yeah that was something that uh mr joseph talked to me about he he, i've never experienced dinner at common bond so so what's that like what do you get uh well the quite a bit because it's close to the house and it's fairly convenient um so we do a lot of takeout um the nashville hot chicken is delicious the ham and cheese croissant jambon y queso (laughs) that that actually is is really really good um we 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 that's usually an add-on add-on to most of our orders um but uh it's just it's good food um it's convenient it's not value proposition yes it's a good value proposition i I wouldn't say it's inexpensive um but uh you know and and then they they've got all the uh all the sweet goodies um that are my achilles hill so yeah he told me his favorite customer is someone who's sitting at a table eating an entree with a to-go bag full of pastries to take home he's probably talking about me (laughs) but yeah this is a big deal i i mean common bond We'll celebrate its its five year anniversary in May. It has been basically incredibly popular from jump. And, you know, it had this kind of 
superstar culinary team when it opened. None of those people are still involved with the restaurant, but it has maintained that level of quality even in their absence and remains like very popular. Like I, I interviewed uh, George on a Monday morning at about 9.30, and I would say at least two-thirds of the tables had people sitting at them. Yes. And on the weekends, there's, a, there's still a line out the door. Right. We, we uh, uh, stopped by Saturday. It was pretty early, I would say, 5.30, and there was a line to the door. Yeah. That's 5.30 p.m. Right. I understood. Just to be clear. You weren't lining up at 5.30 a.m. for croissants. N- not this Saturday. You're not above it. No. Not above it. All right. Topic number two. Hot rumor. Sway, the very acclaimed Austin Thai restaurant, has its sights on Houston. You know, I I try to maintain a few people who tell me things. And I heard this from someone. And then I went to someone else and I was like, have you also heard this? And the reaction was yes. So where and when, like that's a little bit tentative. Uh, maybe the Aki space, maybe not. They, they, I contacted the Sway people. They acknowledged an interest in Houston, but not a specific location. So, Matt, let me just throw it to you. Have you been to Sway? I have not been to Sway. I have not been to Sway either. I was kind of, I was counting on you. I count on you for these things. I, I understand. I let you down. I'm a <laughs> terrible person. I should be punished. <laughs> but there are three locations of Sway in Austin. And looking at the menu and reading the various reviews and commentary, it is safe to say that we don't have this kind of Thai food in Houston. Um, probably, probably not. I had one person on social media say, well, what about, what about Rim Tannen? And I have to admit, I went to Rim Tannen once and I didn't think it was anything special. I haven't been back. Um, we, I've been twice just to make sure the first time was confirming my, right. People are welcome to like that place. I've, I've got no beef with them. I think it's a pretty popular restaurant. Um, but I don't think that it's serving a menu of Thai food. That's very different than a lot of other Thai restaurants. And the, the standard sway picture is this son-in-law dish. That's a, like a sous vide runny egg with pulled pork and some other ingredients. I've never seen that on a Thai menu in Houston. Correct. So I would count this as potentially an exciting development. I think so. Uh, I, while I haven't been there, I've heard this rumor for, for a while, longer than, than just the past few months. So, Yeah, and I, I mean, there are, there are sort of other Austin concepts that we sort of fingers crossed are hoping come to Houston Maybe none more prominently than Loro, the the smokehouse that unites Uchi and Franklin Barbecue. Uh, I keep hearing chatter that that's a possibility. Uh, certainly, Ramen Tatsuya has found some success in Montrose. They have a couple of other concepts: Kimuri Tatsuya, their izakaya, and then uh, like a shabu shabu concept that's just about to open in Austin that that might be potentially a fit in Houston. So. You know, we as a city, Houstonians, have never been shy about embracing Austin concepts high and low. Torchies, Pluckers, Hopdotty, Uchi, etc. So my sense is that if Sway were to come here, or maybe more accurately, when Sway finally confirms that they're coming here, it's going to be a big deal and it's going to be a pretty big success. Yes, and... I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. That's, that's what you have me on for is to be honest. It's true. If, if I had my choice for a Austin concept and, and that in the Thai genre, it would, it would be tycoon. Oh yeah, that would be good. I, I went to tycoon in Austin several years ago and it was kind of mind blowing, but yeah, I don't, I mean, you, you'd have to ask your friend Paul key if, if that's a thing. Then, uh, and, and while we're on the subject of Austin, Veracruz, all natural, if you want to come to Houston. I don't, I don't know that one. I, I, I would give my left pinky. Ooh, 
you might you might miss that. Yeah, it's but then I could have Migas tacos every day, and I would be a very very happy person. <laughs> All right, I'll be a pinkyless, a pinkyless person. Can you hold a taco without your pinky? <laughs> I I uh, well, let's find out. I'm willing to find out. All right, topic number three. Los Tios, the uh, very popular, very uh, very old. I mean, more than more than like forty years in, in the Houston market. Is going to have a new flagship location, Adair Restaurant Concepts. The the folks behind, well, Los Tios and Adair Kitchen and Betsy's and Eloise Nichols and Babitas. They have claimed the former Chabello space for. A new flagship Los Tios. This this is not a huge surprise because it's the other end of the shopping center from Adair Kitchen. Like this is a this is a very logical place for them to open. I I mean I've been to Los Tios, but I don't have a strong. Do you have a strong opinion about Los Tios? I I don't really. No, um, you know it's it's solid, popular, sort of the um, just outside the loop Tex Mex. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, if I'm in the area and craving cheese enchiladas, they do have good, good cheese. They have the kind of cheese enchiladas that, that I crave. This, this is true. Right. They're not Larry's enchiladas, <laughs> but, but they're very good. <laughs> but Larry's requires a drive to Richmond. And, oh, and who's got time for that? But they're so good. Larry's, if you're listening. <laughs> Sorry, I can't, give, I, I can't give any more pinkies, Larry's. I apologize. <laughs> Um, but this is, I mean, so, but what's interesting is maybe the timing because the Galleria has never been like a hotbed of Tex-Mex. There was a, a Ninfas on Post Oak that closed a couple of years ago after mm-hmm. it, uh, after it had an, an unfortunate transition to, uh, Carlos Mencia's restaurant. I don't even remember what that was called. It's been erased from my mind. Yeah. It's, I've, I've blanked it out cause it wasn't good anyway. But so I think it was plagiarized. I'd not don't, don't <laughs> quote me on that. Right. And then um, and then the uh, the Lasco, the upscale tech specs concept uh, kind of came and went in Uptown Park. Anejo. Anejo. Thank you. I knew it wasn't. All I could think of was agave and I knew it wasn't agave. Anejo. Yes. R.I.P. Anejo. All right. But so for an area that is tourist friendly and right in the middle of everything in Houston, like it's strange. There's not really. Tex-Mex, but that's changing. The original Ninfas on Navigation is opening in Boulevard Place in the old Pesca space uh, right next to True Food Kitchen. Uh, Blanco Tacos and Tequila has just opened in the Galleria, which is not Tex-Mex, but is like a Mexican. I mean, you can get tacos and margaritas there. So that West Mex. Yeah, sure. West Mex. And now Los Tios. So all of a sudden there's all this Tex-Mexy competition in the neighborhood. So what do you think? I mean, is is are you intrigued by Los Tios kind of stepping things up and coming coming to a fancy neighborhood? Um, a little bit. I mean, I think that they have geographically they have some advantages um, by actually not being in the Galleria. So you, much better parking, uh, much better parking, um, and uh, just I I, I personally. Um, let me speak for myself. Um, personally, don't see Blanco as much competition for them, right? Because the gallery is kind of a hassle, and it's not. They're sur- the, the style of food is different enough that they're not going to overlap. Yes, and and the clientele that's going to go there is more probably more likely going to be at the Galleria already, and kind of that's my sense. Right, I, I could be right. totally wrong. Right. Los Tios. It would it would not be the first time. I want to put this on public air. It would be the second. <laughs> we know. Uh, Los Tios, family-friendly. Yes. Relatively affordable. Yes. Yep. Feels like a good fit for that neighborhood, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, and I, and I think you're going to get some, um, some, some people that go to Adair already. It's just going to be kind of another option that's there. Um, and so uh, you could go... You know, yeah, lunch at Adair, dinner at Los Tios is not is not out of bounds for families in sure places like Tanglewood and Briargrove. Or maybe we want let's let's we want to have lunch at Adair, but it's it's a little bit of a wait. Well, 
Los Kios is right there, and you know, Tex-Mex almost always sounds good. It does. So now Nymphas is, is another issue. I think Nymphas is, um, but they're also um, more iconic. Yes. So I, I think the people that'll go there again, geography has a little bit to do with it. Um, you're going to be coming from. You don't have to travel. If you're coming from the west, if you're coming from points west exactly. of, say, Fountain View, yes, you may not want to deal with Galleria traffic, yep. parking, hassle. Yep. yep, yep. And then the other thing is, like, I would expect that Ninfas to be very popular with all of the, the business people and tourists that stay in the hotels along Post Oak and 610. Yes. Right? That's a, that is likely a name that they have heard. Yes. They will not have heard of Los Tios. Yes. But Houstonians know Los Tios. Yes. And so if you're like, I don't want to mess with the crowds at Ninfas, Los Tios, I expect, will be busy, but maybe not like, you know, maybe the wait is 15 or 20 minutes instead of an hour. Right. Right. So. Yeah. Those Venn diagrams overlap in a way that's complementary. All right. And then topic number. A little bit of science. Yeah. A little bit of science. Yeah. In in, in the... uh, only food talk show on on uh, FM stations in Houston. By the way, it's true. Welcome to our welcome to our new friends listening to the show on ESPN ninety seven five. Topic number four: New H E B now open in the Heights. This has been eagerly anticipated. H E B literally bankrolled a petition drive to change the laws in the neighborhood to let them sell beer and wine. Like they, they were so desperate to be in the neighborhood that they, I don't, I don't know what it costs to, to change hundred year old city regulations, but they fronted it. And then they built a giant 92,000 square foot, two story store with, as Scott McClellan told me, all the bells and whistles, which means the roastery, their uh, coffee shop concept that they partnered with uh, four chefs from New York for. It means dry-aged beef. It means a massive seafood counter, big produce selection, lots of you know prepared items that you can just take home and heat up, delivery, curbside. Uh, he told me it's the most sparkling water of any H-E-B in Houston and also the most peanut butter of any H-E-B in Houston. That's what happens when you have a lot of young professionals and a lot of young families in your demographics. So I, I just... Uh, I know you probably haven't been. You would have no reason to go. I have not been yet. I mean, it looks, you know, it looks like a grocery store. But if you live in the Heights, this is maybe like the best thing to open in the Heights in a long time. Since La Lucha. And Since Super La Lucha Rica. and Super Rica. And, right. <laughs> um, but I do think it's interesting that that there is this, you know, Whole Foods 365 opened in, in just outside the Heights, like just on the other side of the freeway. That was a big deal. This HEB feels like even a even a bigger deal to me. Yeah, I think I look, they're the eight hundred pound gorilla on the grocery front, right? Number one retailer in the state of Texas. I mean, we're talking massive massive presence. Um and, and the heights probably a little bit. You know, there's Krogar and eleventh, which has been there for for a long time. Um but Certainly, if you're in the Heights, this is a huge step forward in your uh, weekly grocery shopping. Right. And HEB is not done. We should say there are at least three new stores in the works for the area inside and immediately around the loop. There's a new store in Meyerland coming to the intersection of Beach Nut and 610. That's going to open right around Labor Day. There's another store in a mixed-use development at Heights Boulevard and... Washington Avenue, right across the street from Truth Barbecue. That's going to open by the end of the year. And then they have they have the land that's another mixed-use complex that's coming to the intersection of West Alabama and Kirby. That's a little farther afield. The work hasn't started to build that yet. But I that's the one I am most personally interested in because the one, the Montrose Market by where I live on Dunleavy and West Alabama is such a shit show and is so busy all the time that it's hard to shop there. So I want that 
HEB at West Alabama and Kirby to open because it'll take some of the pressure off of the one that I would go to. You want the West Alabama Kirby location to be the new shit show. Yes. So the Dunlavey location will be less of a shit show. Yeah. I just want to be able to park without yes. not in the la- like not in the last three spaces at the end of the line by the fence at the end of the parking lot. Like, you know, I I'm selfish. I want to be able to park within twenty yards of an entrance. And unless I'm going at like nine thirty on a Wednesday, that's not always possible. No, and that's our home grocery store as well, and it's it is impressively busy. Um, the uh, I do think going back to the the Heights location, and and it's not something, it's not an idea that that uh, was original to me. I'm picking up on um, someone else's idea that there was an opportunity there for them to do some things that were neighborhood centric, particularly with the coffee program that didn't happen. Yeah, I think we, we, Mary and I talked about this when the roastery was first announced that it, it seemed like an odd choice to partner with the four J's from New York when they could have partnered with a local roaster. Although worth noting, I suppose that the four, the four J's are opening a roastery and a bigger cafe at the HEB location at San Felipe and Fountain View. So sure. Yeah, this is the, yes, this is, I, I think company wide, yeah. which is what, uh, that that's the undercurrent here, but it would be nice. Uh, I H, uh, HEB is big enough that, that they, and, and smart enough that they could probably incorporate a little bit more of, of the, the local flavor. That would be good. Just, just my two cents. Yeah. Especially which, a store that champions all these which are worth Texas the, products. Right. Which is probably worth less than a half cent, but <laughs> diminishing returns. Right. All right, that does it for the news of the week. We will be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? So, Matt, for the only the only segment on FM radio that talks about new restaurants in Houston, I would like to discuss two new places with you. The first is Sulap City. This is the recently opened Chinese barbecue restaurant in Midtown that uh, is owned and operated by the same family that, that operated Long Sing Supermarket. Uh, the supermarket is gone. Now they're just doing the Chinese barbecue. Uh, I'm just going to throw it out to you. We had a pretty good lunch at Sulap City. Yes. What did you like about it? Uh, well, I like that it was back. I mean, that uh, the things that they do... Uh, uh, are things that I have a craving for. And when you have a craving for them, um, yeah, it's so I sort of, it's sort of long seeing market 2.0. Right. Because there's not, none of the like the dry goods and stuff that right. I personally never bought. Right. But the, you know, the two meat lunch special with rice and a vegetable for eight bucks, that's, that's what I always went for. And I, like that I can get that again. Yes, I like to call it the two lunch special because you it's a hearty portion. Easily it easily makes two lunches. Right. So we got roast pork, barbecue pork, barbecue pork spare ribs and roast duck. Did you have a favorite meat? Roast pork. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Followed by the barbecue pork. Yeah. Yes. And it's not that there was anything wrong necessarily with the duck. You know, compared to some of the other places I've been, it wasn't greasy, but it was just maybe a little bit bland. And maybe a little dry. Yeah. But that roast and that roast pork and the barbecue pork are so outstanding. Yes. That there's, I, I don't really think there's any reason to get anything else. Uh, yes. I, it, when If you have to choose two meats, that to, that's, it really is, doesn't get outside of those two. Right. And adding an egg roll for a dollar just seems like a good value. An egg roll typically is a good ad typically um limited seating but we always had you know i noticed when we were there there was always at least one empty table uh they run a a bit of a line but it moves quickly uh will you go back oh 100 percent. me too absolutely yeah 
welcome a, a welcome re-addition to our food scene yeah no it's it's great yeah and and that uh it it's there's that that risk that when when places open up somewhere else that they lose some of that sort of authenticity and i didn't i didn't get that in the food no same family same recipes same food yeah new look yeah the kids seem to be a little more involved than the parents i think that's safe yeah um but yeah and uh it's it's just it's good the value proposition is excellent <laughs> off the charts yep um and and what they do well as you said particularly the roast pork and the barbecue pork just yeah it's it's right in the wheelhouse all right and then restaurant number 2 la vibra tacos newly opened on Yale and Fifth in the Heights. This is billed as a Mexico City style taco restaurant from uh, a family that, that used to live in Houston. They owned a Chinese restaurant in Houston. They moved to Mexico City, opened some Chinese restaurants in Mexico City, and now they're they're back with a taco concept. I think what's interesting is that they have different styles of taco. They have a traditional, you know, what you would recognize as a taco with your choice of meat. In a corn tortilla. And then they have the uh, Contra. Costra. Costra, thank you. Which is meat wrapped with cheese and then served in a flour tortilla. And then they have the the Volcan, which is kind of somewhere between a taco and a tostada. Right. Um, on, a, on a corn tortilla. Griddled corn tortilla yeah. with cheese. So, Matt, I'm going to defer to you on this because... I've never been to Mexico City, and you probably go three or four times a year. Did these seem like the tacos you eat in Mexico City? No. In what way were they different? Uh, well, first, the salsas would be um, the biggest difference that stood out. And right next to that, uh, they didn't serve limes with the tacos. Okay. Um, so that being said, they were very tasty. Yeah, just because they are not Mexico City style tacos does not mean they were not tasty tacos. Right. Uh, I'm with you. I thought the salsas were a little bit bland and that it was a little bit hard to tell one from the other. Like if I had to taste them blind, I'm not sure I I could have distinguished between them. And I felt like the guacamole was also a little bit undersalted, which um, so again, a little bit bland. But I thought the quality of the meat inside the tortillas was pretty good and i thought the tortillas were pretty good and they're clearly they're clearly making them there they they are they're uh i did ask that question they're they're getting their masa from oaxaca which is great uh and and they're pressing them and making them there we also had the chicharron de queso which i would describe as an oversized rolled cheese crisp with a thin crackly texture uh I mean, crispy, salty cheese is never something I'm going right. to say no to. Right. It, it's like a Parmesan crisp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Very tasty. Uh, and then the uh, uh, the other thing about the salsas, too, was none of them had heat. No, none of them were spicy. They're, they're, you know, none of them were. Um, so that uh, I, I give them credit, certainly sourcing your masa uh, from Oaxaca is... is it's nice. Um, they were tasty. I just don't know. They didn't grab me as yeah. Mexico they're city. they're a little bit small and they're kind of expensive for what you get, right? You're going to pay three four bucks for a taco. I think you know we 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 keep using the word value proposition in this segment, but it does feel like the value proposition is a little bit out of whack. It's a little so, low. Yeah. So I mean. And I think, like, give me, you know, give me one more slice of beef. Give me a little extra of that pork pastor because what I had, I really liked. Yes. I just want a little more of it. The, the meats were flavorful, um, but, you know, they're in, they're in kind of a high, high dollar area. I get it. It's not easy. Um, so it's, it's not a, um, you know, and to be honest, I'll probably go back. I probably I won't go as as much as 
as I would if they were a little less expensive. But I respect that they need, you know, they know their food cost and they know. Right. They know their fixed costs and their labor costs and all that. And they've got, they want to make a certain amount of profit. And yep. I respect that. It's just maybe slightly more than I would like to pay for what I got. Yes. But you'll go back. I will go back. Oh, and you had an agua fresca. I did have an agua fresca. They're Pineapple pretty, mint. And I, I had one. Too. They're pretty good. The agua frescas are, are typically, they're like the egg roll. Yeah. They're never a bad idea. Good. <laughs> All right. Matt, thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'll good be right to be here. Yeah. Look forward to being back soon. <laughs> I'll be right back with Nicole Bean. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? I'm joined this week by Nicole Bean, one of the owners of Pizarro's Pizza. Uh, I'm just going to say one of my favorite pizza places in Houston. Two locations, one in Montrose, one kind of on the border of the Memorial area and the Energy Corridor. Nicole, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I always like to start at the beginning of these interviews and it was only recently that I learned that you had a whole career like in the retail world before you got into the restaurant business. Yes, I did for, gosh, almost 10 years. You, you were like fashion buyer, all that kind of, right? Yeah, I was doing visual merchandising and it was like a passion. I just like enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than being at school. <laughs> so like whenever I would, because I was going to Texas State, so... Like the hour-long drive from Austin down to Texas State was awful. And I was like, I'd rather be at work than doing this drive. So how did you get into the pizza business? Um, so it started in my parents' kitchen when we were living in Austin. And my dad just really wanted to have one of those ovens, the wood fire ovens, in the backyard. And so it became like this weird obsession. He had to have one. And the more research he did, the more he found out it was more just for like pizzas and bread, not necessarily like cooking barbecues and things like that because that's what he had. He had a huge barbecue pit, which he still has and loves it. But um, just kind of dove into it. We started making pizzas at home, long story short. And uh, one day he decided I'm going to quit my sales job and open a restaurant. And we all kind of looked at him like, you're crazy, but crazy enough that we know it's going to work. And so that's how it all kind of started. So what made you want to get in on this process too? (laughs) Nothing wanted me to make me get into it. In fact, like as we were sitting in the kitchen at the dinner table and we were talking about him wanting to open a restaurant, my first inclination was like, I'm not doing a family business. Like, don't look at me to do a family business because that's not going to happen. Um, so immediately I thought of my brother, Matt, which you know very well. And I was like, you've got to ask Matt. Just He's been in the restaurant industry. He knows what what's up. So just ask him and, and see how that goes. And so that's what happened. And about three years after they opened the memorial location, the original one, um, I got a phone call from my dad one afternoon and he was like, we're going to open a second location. And I thought he was like joking. Right. So you were <laughs> right. So just to be clear, you were not involved in it. Right. Because when I started going mm-hmm. to Pizarro's at 2011, I met your dad, Bill and mm-hmm. your brother, Matt. Yep. And I, you, you were a later addition. I was a later addition because I chose so. <laughs> I did not want I mean family business is not easy I and mean, people who do it are crazy no, I think no, no believe me one of my questions for you is what it was like to work with your father and your brother and now your husband <laughs> every day you don't you don't get a break from them I don't get a break from them but you know what like the crazy thing is like at first it was really intensive because we were in you know that 1500 square foot memorial location all five of us and uh, we were just kind of like on top of each other all the time. And when we opened the Montrose location, it was just kind of like that relief of tension a little bit. We kind of got a little bit of separation wearing on each other's nerves. So. Right. Because you and your husband kind of took the lead in opening the Montrose location. Well, so we had wa- – that oh, was no, the no. initial you plan. At, you stayed yeah. at Memorial. I'm sorry. Yeah. That was the initial plan is that we were going to do that. Um, and Matt had moved out to Montrose. And so it just made sense for him to be over there so – Matt took the lead on that with my dad and they opened the store together and Brad and I just continued to learn about the business because we had just gotten there for, you know, we'd only been there for a year. There's a lot to learn. Restaurant is intense. So like what was one of the things you learned that you didn't know or didn't anticipate? Um, one thing I did not anticipate 
was the fact that people just really enjoy talking to you. Like people will come in and it's starting to be like myself and my, my husband and then Matt, like people are wanting to talk to us now. But at first it was my dad. Like everyone just wanted to talk to Bill. They were just like, I just came to say, hey, I'm not even getting pizza. I just want to come talk to your dad. And I was like, this is the most bizarre thing. But it's like we've built these connections with people and we're, we're you know, it's right, you a build relationship. relationships yeah. they feel like friends. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a fr- like friendships all the time. Because now we have kids that were in the womb eating our pizza and now they're like six. It's yeah. super odd and also awesome. <laughs> so, so you were reluctant to get into the business initially. Yeah. But you have really embraced the the pizza world. I mean, when I uh, well, I've talked to your dad about this. I mean, you're like you kind of the mad scientist. You were the one who was driving the decisions to add Detroit and New York style pizza. Yeah, I mean, my brother and I, when we were in New York one year, um, we were watching some demonstrations going on at this ex, like kind of an expo kind of thing, um, and we were just kind of blown away by grandma style pizza. And we're like, what in the hell is this? And it just kind of sparked our interest. And um, I kind of took the lead on wanting to learn more and do more. And so I've just kind of inserted myself. I think that's just where I've been. I've just inserted myself into places I probably shouldn't be, but I'm doing it because I want to know more. I mean, it's working. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you started with the Sicilian style or the Detroit, Detroit. style. So how did you decide, of, of all of the various deep dish pie options, how did you decide on Detroit style specifically? So when we initially started the Neapolitan, it was just weird enough. It was just coming on the scene, um, which our name is Bizarre and Pizza All in One, so it's Bizarros. Um, so that's kind of where it all stemmed from is we, Matt and I had kind of thought about it and we were just like, what's kind of different enough to set us apart? And still maintain like that level of interest that people are still learning about Neapolitan and Detroit was like instantaneous as soon as we found out about it. And we were reading about Via 313 and checked them out and we were like, yeah, I mean, like this is this is what we think is going to be like the next big thing. Yeah, it's really hard to say no to a style of pizza that comes with a like a burnt letter of cheddar cheese around the the edge of the crust because it's basically like eating a cheese crisp with every bite. Yeah, it's super delicious. And I hear I have people all the time who are just like, I just want to eat the cheddar. Like, that's it. I just want the cheddar crust. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. It's the opposite of like those people who leave the like the ring of crust around. Yeah, yeah, completely opposite. It's super bizarre because like you'll find plates of just, you know, what I call pizza bones. It's just like the crust part, but not on Detroit. It's very rare I find pizza bones on Detroit. Like, that's the very first part that gets eaten. No, the crust is the, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if the crust is the best part. It is certainly the most distinctive part. Absolutely. No one leaves that behind. Yeah. So, and then and then you guys added New York, what, like, almost a couple of years ago now? Um, I mean, it's only been a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. So, it hasn't been very long. I mean, because when people talk about styles of pizza, we have to define that for them right so like yeah detroit is a a deep dish rectangular pie with burnt cheese around the rim mm-hmm. and neapolitan is a thin crust that's cooked quickly in a wood-fired oven everybody knows what new york style is because that's the style that people think of as pizza it's true but at the same time because we have like the kind of information on the walls now people are like what is new york style and you kind of get a little baffled, like, how do you not know what New York style is? But it makes people question, like, do they know what pizza really is? Well, you know, people question New York style because they've, they've just <laughs> heard it all their lives as pizza. Right. Right. Like what you get from any national delivery restaurant is essentially a New York style pie. Essentially so, yeah. With some extra crap in there, but yeah, that's yeah. neither here nor there. All right. So how's, <laughs> so, so how did you, so... Having done these kind of two more unusual styles of pizza, mm-hmm. how did you decide like, okay, we're finally going to, we're, we're going to give people what they, they think of when, when they say the word pizza? We'd been wanting to do New York for a long time because everybody was just like, we want more toppings. We want, you know, a little bit thicker to hold up more toppings and a little more substantial crust. And we just weren't ready for it. So when we tested out Detroit and it went off without a hitch, we kind of knew instantaneously like New York is New York's the next thing. We're going to do it. 
we're going to start working on it like immediately. And uh, that took about, I don't know, eight months of development just to kind of get the right consistency, the right products, everything kind of down pat to what we thought was the closest thing that you could possibly find in Houston as a New York style pizza. Yeah. I, because you, you've been to like, you, you go to like pizza classes. You, you basically have like a, a master's in pizza. I don't know about masters, maybe a bachelor's. Okay. <laughs> well, how did you get a How did you get a bachelor's in pizza? Um, so I went and I went to uh, San Francisco and studied uh, kind of pizza making, the American style pizza making with uh, my friend Tony Gimignani, who's a 13-time world pizza champion. Uh, he's an author. He kind of, he knows anything and everything there is to know about pizza and still learning. But um, he he does these classes like very intense week long training courses of how to make certain style pizzas. So I did the the American style. So that covers like Chicago and New York style, Sicilian, Grandma, um, St. Louis, just kind of whole gamut of of pizza styles that are traditionally American styles. And then he'll do another class that is specifically on Neapolitan. So do you have a favorite? I don't have a favorite. <laughs> I don't have a favorite pizza. I mean, like, you can have one style of pizza and then have a different style of pizza right after, and it's completely different. Right. I mean, when I go to Pizarro's, I usually get more than one, right? A, yeah. a Neapolitan and a Detroit or a New or York and a Neapolitan. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I think, that's, I think that's one of my favorite things about Pizarro's is that you have that flexibility, I mean, but the other thing is you guys are like, you're very focused. I mean, there's yeah. a few salads and pizza yeah. and then you're not doing like hoagies or subs or wings no. or any of that stuff. No. You ever get, you ever get customers being like, where are the wings? All the time. All the time. You guys don't have any calzones, do you? Nope. Just pizza, which is super crazy because if you literally just take a pizza and fold it in half, isn't that a calzone? But you know. Yeah, you could, you could <laughs> add calzones. That would not be that hard. I point. could. But I think we're just kind of focused on solely just pizza. Like, I don't want to make giant Hot Pockets for a living. <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. Um, but you, I, but yeah, so talk about that process a little bit because I think it's it's that attention to detail and then the quality of the ingredients you use is, mm-hmm. I mean, a Pizarro's pizza is not a, a cheap pizza. No, we're not on the cheap side. And that's because we, like, specifically source things, like, We'll go out of our way to find certain ingredients. Um, it took us probably three and a half months just to find the cheddar for the Detroit pizza. That was a long process, but we do it because we know that's the that's the best. We want to offer the customers the best that there is. We're, we differentiate ourselves in that way that we're not just run-of-the-mill pizza. We're different. We're better than that. And you deserve better than that. Like People deserve better pizza. They absolutely do. So let me ask you, so you, you opened the memorial location, the new memorial location yeah. last year so that you could you could have Neapolitan, Detroit, and New York yep. at both locations. Yes. How's that going? It's going well, very well. We've been anticipating this moment for, gosh, two years. We've been literally teetering on how are we going to get this to this side of town because... I've had people like driving all the way out to Montrose just because they want the New York pizza or they want the Detroit pizza. And it's not that frequent, but frequent enough to, you know, warrant that it's definitely needed out in the memorial area, you know. Well, like, also, there had to be like a certain amount of jealousy. Like, <laughs> we were first, we loved you, and now you've kind of turned your back on us by not giving us all of the tricks. <laughs> Almost. I mean, but we were kind of contrapped in like the little area that we were in there was no room for growth we intentionally built out that first location with this like partition only like one foot away from where our wall was not anticipating anybody to take that space and then uh margie our little glass lady next door ended up taking it and we're like crap um so i mean she she hooked on a a good like seven year lease so we we knew like instantaneously all right we're never going to be able to to move unless you know margie just throws their hand, her hands up and is like, I'm done. Because Los Tios isn't moving. They've been around for like 40 years there, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, I was a child in that neighborhood and that Los Tios was there, I mean, when I was like in preschool. 
yeah. it's not going anywhere. No, not going anywhere. So, I mean, we, I think the, the decision to move was the best decision and we're super happy with the space. Super happy. I'm thrilled with my oven. I love my ovens. I love the space. I think it's so much better. I've had little knacky things about like, oh, I don't like the lighting in here. I don't like how you can see all the way to the back. And I'm like, well, you know, yeah. it's just a restaurant. Like, Yeah, just keep it clean. Just, just right? eat food. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. We've got a clean restaurant. We've got brand new food for you. It's cool. I mean, the other thing is like you've gone to pizza school, mm-hmm. but you've also started competing in pizza competitions. Yes. So I, I think it's hard... On the consumer side, like it's it's a little bit hard to tell, like what that means. Mm-hmm. So, how did you become interested in them, and and then, do you think that it makes for better pizza at Pizarro's? Uh, yes, it does. Uh, my brother Matt was doing the competitions first, so he started it, and um, I was very supportive of that because we wanted to grow and we wanted to learn new things, and he wanted to you know, show everyone what we're doing out down here in Houston because, you know, most places are making Neapolitan pizzas up in New York or, you know, various parts around the United States that aren't very well known. And you wouldn't think of Houston, Texas as making Neapolitan. But um, so we, he started doing that and um, I just kept, you know, cheering him on, cheering him on the sidelines. And then uh, my really good friend, Laura, was like, you need to compete. I was like, no, no, not me. Like, that's it's too much pressure. And she's like, come on, just just do it. So I signed up for one um, in Atlantic City two years ago and just kind of fell in love with it. Um, like being back back behind the scenes and like talking to all the other guys because there's a bunch of guys. Like girls are just now finally coming into the scene of pizza making. Um, and so all, the, all these guys are, you know, they're so welcoming. Everybody in the pizza community is super welcoming. They want you to do well. They want to know what you're doing. You know, they're always constantly hunching over your shoulder. Like, what are you making now? What are you doing now? And, um, so it just kind of became like this obsessive thing where you just kind of get addicted to like being around those people and learning things. And the competition has gotten super stiff, super stiff over the last year. So when you compete, are you creating like kind of Houston inspired ingredients or are you using like local produce? How do you, how do you set yourself apart? Um, I think it just kind of depends on what category you're cooking in. So there's various categories. There's like a pan division, there's um, traditional, which only allows you to have two toppings on your pizza. So it's a little limiting. Then there's Neapolitan and now they're introducing Roman as a a, competition, gluten-free, so on. So I think it just kind of, depending on which category you're choosing for that particular competition. Um, when you do non-traditional it's kind of anything goes, which is where I came with the cannoli pizza. Right. You made a dessert. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I was just going to say you made a dessert pizza. I did. Yeah. But it wasn't very sweet. And I was like, this is the most bizarre piece I think I've ever conjured up in my brain, but it just sounded fun and something different. And that would set me apart from my competitors who usually do like, I'm going to do arugula and prosciutto and sausage and uh, maybe chorizo or something like a little wild, but not super wild. So I was just like, I'm just going to go nuts. <laughs> how did you do? So what was on the cannoli pizza and how did you do with it? Um, so the dough was made of a balsamic glaze and Nutella. Um, so it sounds sweet, but it really wasn't. Um, and then... I had the cheddar cheese crust to it, so just the normal cheddar cheese crust on it, which kind of gave it that savory element. And then I made like a cannoli, like ricotta on top, so slightly sweet, not overly sweet. Um, then I candied some kumquats, cut those up, put them on top, and then drizzled um, that Nutella and balsamic reduction on top of it to finish it out. Yeah, I I remember getting to try it. It was it was pretty good. It it was it was. It tasted better. It's not that that description sounds bad. <laughs> it's just that you, you sort of get like a quizzical expression yeah. when you hear all that. Uh-huh. How is this going to come together? And then you bite into it and you're like, this is very good. Yeah. I mean, people like you, you were like, I did not expect that. No. And that's what I was going for. I was like going for very like unexpected because when I started telling, you know, Brad and Matt that I was going to make a cannoli pizza, they just looked at me and like, you're insane. And I was like, I know. And how did you do with cannoli pizza? I didn't do too bad. I placed like like 12 or 13, something like that. Out of how many people? 40. 
See, that's solid. Yeah, I th- I think I did pretty good for my second competition. I'm not going to, you know, complain about that. So you're kind of a rising star now in the pizza world, right? The the yeah. competitions and and two restaurants. What was yeah. the what was the award that you got at the last Pizza Expo? The the Rising Star Award which was given to me by um our actually flower manufacturers who they choose one person a year and um they kind of have decided this person is always being, you know, present to every, you know, every competition, every, you know, event that's going on. They're talking with other people in the community. They're learning. They're growing. They're the next person we're looking to to kind of spark some interest in the pizza industry. All right. So, so since you're the rising star pizzolo in America, I have to ask you, what's, what's next for pizza? I mean, we're like here in Houston, like we're in the midst of a wave of Roman style pizza mm-hmm. alla taglia. I mean, pizza modus just opened. Yep. That's kind of what they're doing at Vinny's. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that the trend or are there other, are there that, other styles that you're that interested is in? Is the trend right now? Uh, Roman is super hot right now. Everybody right. is a, making there's Roman. Bonsi, right? From, yeah, Bonchi. Yeah. Yeah. They are some wicked cool people. They're making awesome, awesome, awesome Roman pizzas. And they'll be at the Pizza Expo this year too. So, I mean, they're coming to New Orleans. They might. Have you, I don't know. Are they coming to Houston? Do you know? No, not that I'm aware of. I'll chat with them when I see them, though. Yeah, I doubt. I doubt that they will, but so, you never know. All right. So Roman. So what else? So, so like, what's on the horizon? Like what? Or or let me ask you this. Okay. What style are you interested in now that you've you have three that you mm-hmm. serve? I'm really interested in cracker cracker crust. Okay. So like St. Louis really sparked my interest when I had it out in San Francisco. Uh, if you've ever had Provel cheese. Yes. Okay. It's like, it's like Velveeta. Let's not lie. Yeah. It's kind of gooey but cheddar. It's super delicious. It just kind of like melts down the back of your throat and you're just like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> um, but that and uh, I think Chicago is kind of where I'm leading towards Chicago Cracker Thin, but we'll see. I think it's more of a Houston palette. Provel's right. kind of. Hit or miss. Right. So Chicago thin crust, not Chicago deep dish. Never deep dish. Never deep dish. The reason why is because it takes like 40 minutes to cook a deep dish. And that's outside of my perimeters. And also, there's like a lot of people who, who just call that a casserole. Like it, people it get is. really mad about Chicago pizza. Or lasagna. Yeah. It's like a piece of lasagna. It's a lot. I mean, one piece of like Chicago deep dish is enough to tide you over for like a month. Yeah, two slices of star deep dish and I'm good. Yeah, it's intense. But I can I can properly motivated, properly hungry, I can I can put down a whole uh Pizarro's New York sixteen inch. I think so. I mean I've seen it done. Yeah. I'm super impressed when people eat a a whole large Detroit. I've never done that and I'm not sure that I could. It's that's intense. It's yeah, a lot. It's a lot. How yeah. much does that weigh? Um I mean the dough ball is only like a couple ounces. I mean it's oh, okay. well, maybe it's like a pound. Yeah. It's a pound of dough. It's a lot of dough. Plus plus yeah. like another half pound or more of toppings. Yeah. Depending how much you load it up. Yeah. So and it's not a death by pepperoni pizza, that's for sure. No, I, I will tell you, I I I got a tremendous social media response to Did you really? Death by Pepperoni <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna out her. Uh Cheetah Craft from KHOU was like, What is that and where can I get it? <laughs> so I, you took it off the menu. I don't think you should do that. I think you may have to keep that around. I'm going to wait till I get more response. From, I mean, it's always available. Like, I think I could make it anytime you wanted to. But we wanted to just spark some interest because I get so many people who love those cupping pepperonis. Like, they don't get enough. They want more. So we decided we're just going to full blast cupping pepperonis on this thing. And yeah. I think it was successful. I think yeah. we did good. Yeah, I got a I got an unbelievable response to it on on Instagram. It's on my I guess it was on my story. I thought I put it on my feed, but well, yeah, if the people want it, I want to know from I want to hear from them. <laughs> All right. Well, you will definitely hear from them because I'm going to okay. I'm going to bump that in this okay. <laughs> in this article. Um so, I mean, so the last time we talked when you opened the memorial location, mm-hmm. you had some ideas about pasta night. Mm-hmm. You had I mean, are you are you third location? Are you kind of content or like what's next? Like what can we what will we see from Pizarro's in 2019? I think there's so much next. Um, there's there's chatter about a third location. It's just a matter of when and where. 
Um, there's a lot going on in Houston. I mean, so much. There's a lot of new new things coming in. There's a lot of construction going on. I mean, um, you must get approached by food halls. That must they yeah. they must have some interest in you guys. Yeah, we chatted with Finn Hall like before they started everything. This probably I don't know a year and a half ago. Yep. Um, we chatted with them and um, we decided that was a no go for us. That was a no go. Um, but it's it was a really interesting concept. I thought. Yeah. But so so you're so you're basically landlords call you right real estate opportunity. I get a lot. Um, I just got one not that long ago for one out in like spring, and I looked at the location. And I was like, no. <laughs> it's growing up there. Yeah, it is. Um, my brother, one of my brothers, lives up there. My other brother, you may have met him, Chad. I don't know. Um, he's in quite frequently, but yeah, no, my my brother and his family live up there. Um, so it's not not a location option but we've looked kind of everywhere um we've looked in katie we looked in sugarland bel-air um we've checked out um pearland we've, i don't know baytown maybe sure galveston i don't know i mean we'll see people love pizza yeah i mean it's just a matter of you know finding the right place at the right time I and think. then, and then, what about pasta night? Because that's kind of what I'm rooting for. <laughs> uh, I have to twist Matt's arm, man. Like he is, he's tough to get to. He he's so inspired by just like. Random, well, he made that delicious random. bolognese sauce, yeah. and it's, it's good on pizza, but it would be better on spaghetti. It's really good. It's really good. I mean, the the pasta he made for competition that he took th- third place for was like this lemon delicious like spaghetti type thing it was so wonderful and i'm like you really need to make that and he's like yeah all right the next time i (laughs) the next time i see him at the mantras location i'm pestering him okay yeah i want him to i mean i really i think we i think we should at least give it a a go see what happens well we're running we're starting to run a little long and that (laughs) that brings me to the end of my questions unless there's some other aspect of pizarro's i haven't asked you about that you're just dying to talk about do you have any more questions? You have secret news coming. I, I have know. Secret news coming. But I don't know. You're not ready to divulge that today. Not just yet. I will say though that it does involve me going international. Ooh. So. Okay. News to come. All right. Well, I always wrap these interviews up with what I call the lightning round. Okay, lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Ooh, okay. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Uh-oh. Nicole Bean. Yes, sir. What is your favorite cookbook? My favorite cookbook? Um, that is a great question. I have like several cookbooks. I don't read very often, mind you. I have one that's like a chocolate cookbook, and I haven't even opened it. <laughs> but I have been reading uh, lately. Um, I have Sullivan Street Bakery, um, uh, Flower Salt Yeast Water, and um, my husband gifted me Tony's Pizza Bible. For Christmas, even though we already have one, he gave he gave me one. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me one. It's my dad's copy. The original one's my dad's copy, and he's like, "You just need to have your own, so you aren't stealing your dad's book anymore." Sure. <laughs> so All right, I have a few, but I don't really tend to read too often. Sorry. <laughs> What's the first band you ever saw in concert? Um, this is real embarrassing and going to show my age, even though I don't feel like I'm that old. But Backstreet Boys was my very first concert. It's, it's, it's a- as a spot on answer. <laughs> what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive through. Oh, okay. Guilty pleasure is Panera. I know it sounds super weird, but their chicken like tortellini. It's just like warm and cozy and fuzzy, you know, okay. guilty pleasure. Sorry. All right. Don't hate me. Who is your favorite Houston sports figure past or present? Makeem mm, Olajuwon is always my favorite. If I could meet him one day, that'd be awesome. All right. And then finally, what is your go-to pizza order? Like when you go to a pizza restaurant for the first time, what toppings do you get? I know this sounds like super cliche, but it's typically going to be something simple like cheese. Yeah. Because I want to taste all the ingredients. Like I'm not going to throw stuff on there right away. And a lot of times it's a white pizza because not very many order white pizzas. So I'm like first, first one, I'm like white pizza. Let's see how this is. Like I was super disappointed with, and everyone's going to hate me for saying this, but a slice not slice. Um, the one in Austin. I had a brain fart. Anyway, 
Bufalina? No, not Bufalina. I haven't even been there yet. You know what? One time I went there and they told me 45 minutes for a to-go order. And I just looked at them and I was like, your pizza cooks in 90 seconds. <laughs> what? Um, no, but I was disappointed in one white pizza that I got in Austin. And I was just like, your ricotta could have been way better. Yeah. All right. Give us the website, the social media, and all of that. How can people How can people find you? Uh, you can find us at www.pizzaro'spizza.com. It's P-I-Z-A-R-O-S pizza.com. Our social media for uh, Facebook is obviously Facebook backslash Pizarro's Pizza, all one word. And then our Instagram is Pizarro's underscore pizza underscore Napolitana. Thank you. I won't spell that all out. No. <laughs> All right. And you can follow me on Twitter at E Sandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. This is your periodic reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. We always love your comments and reviews, but like Katie Nolan always says, only if it's five stars and only if it's nice. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.